Hello, welcome to the October 2023 episode of Chattering with ISFM. I'm Natalie Dalgray, Head of ISFM and host of this month's podcast. First up this month, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Panyotis Marakovich, an ISFM Academy member from Cyprus, and we're going to be discussing the current situation with the 2023 Cypriot FIP outbreak that's been making the international news. We're also featuring our monthly JFMS Clinical Spotlight interview, and this month it's going to be the focus on the new AAFP and IAAAPC Feline Hospice and Palliative Care Guidelines. Dr. Kelly St. Denis is going to be speaking with the two co-chairs of these guidelines, Dr. Diane Eckner and Dr. Katrina Brightwriter. We hope you enjoy this episode. This year there's been a large FIP outbreak in Cyprus. I really wanted to start by just sort of asking you about when it really was that you and your colleagues started to realise that there was more of a problem with FIP than perhaps there normally is. Sure. I would probably say for me it was around end of January, beginning of February of this year. Some people say that it probably has started end of 2022. They do not have my own clinic. So I run this mobile service. So I would go to some clinics I collaborate with and there will be literally two cats on the table having their chests or abdomen drained. And I thought that doesn't look like what we've known so far about FIP. There were people that they, volunteers that go to parks and feed cats that they just said that the population has been decreasing and they could see quite a few unwell cats. As a veterinary association here, there is a, a whole record of the reported cases. Obviously, that's not a true in reflection of what's happening, but there were three or four cases reported in 2021 and 2022. And apparently only for January 2023, we had 98, so nearly 100 cases. So I would probably say that the first signs of epidemic were, were back then. And the cases, they have been constantly increasing in numbers until probably around April this year. And they stay high. So we haven't noticed a difference as such as drop, but I think they're stable now. Uh, they're constantly high, stable since April. That's really interesting. One of the difficulties with FIP as a disease is that it's often a jigsaw puzzle in terms of that diagnosis. Is there much available locally for you or are you having to send all of your tests to other parts of the European mainland? Yeah, the thing that we have here is unfortunately, although we are lucky that we have one veterinary lab that was established a couple of years ago, is still most of the tests, the highly sophisticated, I would say, they're just sent off abroad to be run at external uh, laboratories, either in the UK or in um, Germany. So there isn't anything um, locally or in Greece that we could get close to either confirmation or close to confirmation of uh, our FIP cases. And obviously when we're talking about FIP and when we're talking about what we're experiencing now with this epidemic, the sooner you start the cats and treatment, the better outcome that you're expecting them to have. I understand now that you do have some legal options for your FIP cases in Cyprus. Yeah, that's correct. We do. And that's only started happening for the last month or so. People here have the option of using three legal preparations, formulations. 
The first two we're talking about injectable rhythmsevere and oral GS441524. That's 50 milligram tablets for their letter. These are legally sourced from UK's specials manufacturer. That was a long process and I needed a lot of hard work to be able to get permission to use, import and distribute these formulations in Cyprus. We finally succeeded. So these are now available. We've got a few cats in treatment on those preparations already. And we're hoping that they will become more popular as we go. The second pathway, those can only be sourced from the pharmaceutical company that is a distributor. And that pharmaceutical company can only sell to vets. The second option that we come to the third drug that's available, that's a molnubiravir preparation, it's 200 milligram capsules that were labeled for human use. They've been sourced from the human hospitals here. That again was a long process that the veterinarians here tried since the beginning of when they noticed the epidemic and they thank God that that led to positive outcome as well. I've heard we are the first country that we've got three authorized medications to use for treatment of FIP in cats. So that's really good. But I've experienced firsthand how difficult it was to go through that process and all the documentation that uh, was needed time after time just to persuade authorities that uh, those medications were very much needed, especially with the epidemic. But it's such a devastating disease. And if there is any glimpse of hope in the whole thing, and if there's any positive little things to look into this epidemic is we know it's a treatable disease. The more we are open about it, the more we share our experiences, the more we, we talk about these things. I think the more we're going to be able to help those cats, I hope it doesn't happen to another country, but we all know that it's possible. And so I think if the next country that these or another infectious disease hits in terms of cats. If there is a, you know, a preparation, then obviously we, there will be a better outcome. And now it's over to Dr. Kelly St. Denis, and she's going to be speaking with Dr. Diane Egner and Dr. Katrina Brightwriter. They're the co-chairs on the 2023 AAFP, IAA, HPC, Feline Hospice and Palliative Care Guidelines. Congratulations to both of you on this publication. It is a fantastic guideline and we're looking forward to sharing it with everyone. What is this hospice and palliative care and end of life care? Where do they fit into what we do and what sort of definitions would you give them? And are they different? I think when I think of either one, first thing that comes to mind now is comfort care, a term that is everyday language, but really speaks to what our job is in terms of for the patient, one of the terms is the care unit. We have our, our clinician's hat on and we're communicating with our owners. Those owners, you want to be major participants in the decision-making that's going on regarding their very sick hat. And that care unit can even be expanded to other family members. It's anybody who's really going to be involved in the decision-making about the care of that pet. So you want to consider the patient's perspective, of course, as much as we can understand the pet. Um, but we then want to really remember that we're treating the owners as well. Our first responsibility is to the comfort of our patient. Ethically, we have to focus on that. But we can't separate the owner from the way we're communicating and handling these cases. 
Hospice care, hospice is really utilized, the term is utilized when you've got a patient when there are no other therapeutic options available to that patient and the diagnosis is terminal. They're seriously ill. And that one is especially focused on comfort care. I think what will be nice about these guidelines is it'll remind us that sometimes when we unfortunately have to share a poor prognosis or diagnosis with an owner, we may not think holistically about how to provide that comfort care. And I think these guidelines will help make that much more accessible to the reader. And um, I think we'll be better able to meet the needs of those patients and of course their owners. And when I think of palliative care, I, I really have come to, to think of it as how can I make this cat their life as great as it possibly can be given the circumstances that they're in, the medical condition that they're dealing with. And then another thing that we talk a lot about in the guidelines is budgets of care, because not every client can afford financially to do everything that we might want to do. But then too, emotionally and physically, and not every client is capable of giving subcutaneous fluids at home, or maybe there is some strong emotional ties around a cancer diagnosis because of past experiences or, or things like that. And so those are all, I think, factors that have to come into mind whenever we're making a specific game plan for an individual patient, because we we have to be mindful in the hospice setting of, of what the, the caregiver is able to do for that cat. I was heavily involved in the writing of the comfort care section, which talks about how do we meet these cats' needs, both physically and emotionally. So, mm-hmm. you know, their environmental needs, giving a cat who maybe has mobility restrictions access to places where they like to be, you know, how do we enable them to still get into the sunny window or to the top of the cat tower? Because those are the places the cat wants to be, but there may be some physical limitation to how to get there. How do we make feeding more comfortable for the cat, not just what we're feeding, but how and where. And same with litter boxes and scratching posts and all of those vital resources throughout the home. When you've got a hospice feline patient, modifications are are likely going to be needed in that home environment in order to still meet their environmental needs. We don't want to lose focus on many of the ways that we need to try as much as we can to ensure emotional feline health. And so we've brought in information about that and applied it into this, you know, environment with, um, you know, hospice and palliative care patients. Thank you for listening. If you're an ISFM member, don't forget you can access the full version of this podcast and all of the other ISFM member benefits, including Congress recordings, monthly webinars, the clinical club, the discussion forum, and much, much more at portal.icatcare.org. If you're looking for more free CPD, we have two open access webinars in November. The first is from ISFM. We have our quarterly cat-friendly clinic webinar. And this month is going to be with Dr. Sarah Caney. She's speaking on feline wellness programs, and that's going live on the 7th of November. And then from Elanco on the 14th of November, we have Manage Weight Loss, Control Anemia. 
the key factors in feline CKD management. And that's with Dr. Audrey Cook. We'll be back again next month. If you don't want to miss out, do make sure you have signed up to Chattering with ISFM on your preferred podcast platform.